0: amen while you're standing i want to um, start with a verse verse peter the second chapter verse nine this verse is important because it provides identity to who we are we all have to know what role we play who we are And to whom we belong. And Peter writes in this verse, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He puts it so beautifully. He called me out of a dark place and put me in a place where there was abundance of light. Lord, bless the next few minutes we have together, Lord. I pray that you would speak to every heart. I ask this in Jesus' name. You may be seated. This message might be um, somewhat directed to the people of the covenant of God
1: and those that want to be. Some 50 years ago,
0: a young man who was wrapped up in turmoil and sinking in his own pool of depression was pulled from that mire and those evil deeds in his life and given a new life of purpose. Of course, that man was me, over 50 years ago. I was sinking when God reached out to me, and he called my name. He offered me a purpose in life.
1: But even better than that, he wanted
0: me to be his own son. He wanted me to receive things that I had never worked for and to have eternal life free of guilt and pain. I was, I was amazed, I was astounded that God would want somebody like me. It goes back to the verse that was written, to as many as received him gave he the power to become the sons of God.
1: However, there were conditions
0: in this covenant that he wanted to make between me and him. They were made plain to me before the transaction of ownership ever took place. I knew exactly what was expected of me. And I knew exactly what to expect from him. It was my choice. I could enter into this eternal covenant or I could continue on in that miserable existence I was living in. I can tell you this morning, the day and the hour and the month that the contract was signed.
1: You know, when you buy anything of
0: significance... It's like uh, a few months ago, me and my son went to Detroit and we bought a lawnmower. It was worth driving all the way to get there to get it. But I also was concerned about the city in which I was buying it from, that it wasn't hot in the sense that it wasn't owned by this person. So I made sure that I had a contract written up on it and that everything was accounted for because I wanted him to know what my part was. In return for a Kubota lawnmower, I am giving you this much money for ownership. That's not unusual in our day and age. People want contracts. They want, in a type, a covenant between the person that's selling and buying. Because if there's ever any doubt If ever anyone comes to you and says, I don't know if that's your lawnmower, I can bring out the contract and say, this is the contract. This is the covenant I made with this man.
1: So I'm going to approach this topic
0: today from that standpoint. To me, it was like finding a, a river of gold. You know, when you're thirsty and you come to a cool fountain of water, I mean really thirsty. I mean dry mouth thirsty. You do anything for just a cup, just a little bit.
1: I gave him that broken down life
0: and received in return for that life remission of sin. A robe of righteousness, which I could wear on earth while I was here. Mind you, not my own righteousness, because my righteousness was not pretty at all, but his own righteousness. This morning, you may not see it, but it's there. When God looks down from heaven upon this young man, (laughs) hey, 70 years is nothing to eternity. Um, he sees a white robe of righteousness. He doesn't see what I wore. And you know how he recognizes it? Because it's his. I wore that robe of righteousness that he put on me. It doesn't cover my old robe. That robe was lost in baptism. Years and years ago, I heard a story when I was teaching... Bible studies, and I thought how appropriate it was. This, this young man, he was married, had a family, and not real wealthy, but he had a few things. And one day he came across a treasure that was hidden in a particular field, and he came across it. And he found it, and he had to have it. So he went to the owner of the field and said, hey, listen, i um, I'd like to make a contract with you. I'd like to make a deal with you, a covenant with you. I'd like to take ownership of this field. Well, this guy was a sly dealer. And he said, well, okay, um, what do you have? And it was kind of concerning to him because where is this going? What's the total price? He says, well, what do you have? Well, I have a home. That'll be good. That's good. What else do you have? And he thought, well, that was pretty much. Well, I have a chariot and a wagon and horses. And he said, that's good. That'll do. What else do you have? He wanted this. He really had to have it. He says, well, I have four
1: children and a wife and a dog he says, that's good. What else do you have?
0: He says, all I got left is me. And he says, that's fine. It's a deal. But here's what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to let you keep all those things that you have right now. And I'm going to give you the field. But I want you to remember that they belong to me. And I have the right to come back at any time I want and take whatever possession is mine. And that was the covenant. Now, I told you that story because that's the kind of covenant we enter into. When I come to God, his contract is such that he wants all my mind. He wants all my soul. He wants all my strength. He wants everything I possess and everything that I will possess. But in turn, he says to me, I will give you the treasures of your heart. I will give you peace in the storm. I'll give you strength when you're weary. I'll give you food when you're weak. I'll hold you when you're alone. I'll give you joy amidst mourning. Now, there was a, there's some stipulations to this contract, and I'm talking about salvation here, and I know you're, you're picking up on that. I was to live by a covenant of the contract, and as long as I held up my agreement in this contract, it would last eternally. There was no expiration date. It wasn't like a lease for two or three years. It was an eternal contract, and again... I was to love him with everything that I had and obey him and his voice. I was to treat other people as I wanted to be treated. I was to repent of my sin. I was to turn around the way from the way that I was living and the filth that I was and act in a manner that was befitting my father.
1: Most of all, he required me to change my name and that we would live together in the house he had provided to me and that would be my body. To secure this covenant,
0: I agreed and in front of witnesses because usually a contract has witnesses, a notary republic or whatever, there were witnesses present. When I repented of my sins, they acknowledged that I had. God and his angels saw that my repentance bore witness by the way that I acted. It wasn't a verbal confession. It was a change of thinking, a changing of the way I walked and a changing the way I lived. It was a visible witness, not a verbal confession. Necessarily. And there was remorse because there were
1: tears that he could see. And I went down into
0: the waters of baptism and I bore his name, the name of Jesus. And I was purchased with the purchase price of his blood. And his blood is what gives me life because the life of the body is in the blood. His blood now runs in my spiritual body. And though this flesh dies, my spirit, because of the spirit of life that's in it, will never die. My soul will never die. There's only two contracts in my life that can even be compared to this. The one is the one I just mentioned, my covenant with God. And the second was the covenant I made with my wife. We all know the story, don't we? I saw the treasure. The night I saw her, it was at Northview Church up in Milwaukee, Brother Aaron was a pastor, and we just had spent the summer together, and we were both going back to school, uh, college. And they had a little get together, and I looked at her as we stood in a line, and the people from the church said goodbye to us at last service. I said, I'm going to marry that girl. One time, we were married that next spring, by the way. I went home and I said, God, that is the girl I want to marry. And through time, we made a covenant. That covenant, much like my salvation covenant, was witnessed before people. It was a covenant that others could witness and rejoice in us with. I swore that I was going to be faithful to her through sickness and health, through better, for worse, for richer, for poor. She said the same thing to me. And then she took my name. She didn't leave with her original name. She had a new name. Do you know in Revelations 22, it talks about the saints of God? I forget what verse I could look at but at it right now, but I'm not gonna waste my time, but it's in the middle of the chapter that he puts the name, his name upon the forehead of his saints. Now I'm gonna tell you something it's a secret. Can I have fun? I promise not to go till tomorrow. When You ever wonder when you're baptized and you're living for God, how every devil in hell knows where you are? People that don't even know you, be rude to you, like, there's something about you, I don't like it. Because Satan sees two things that others don't. He sees the righteous robe, which was washed in God's blood, Christ's blood, and he sees a name that he hates, the name of Jesus. And you know what I say? I'm proud of it. I wish it would glow there all the time. Because I have a family, my family. I have a God that is so compassionate and loving. I'm so grateful that he called me and allowed me to enter into the covenant, which I am. No, that covenant that I made with my wife was for my entire life.
1: It's a big covenant, right? If you've ever been married, you didn't think that was strange at all. You mean
0: all my life? Even when she's not beautiful anymore? Even when I'm not beautiful anymore? What if we fight? What if we have a disagreement? No, it doesn't matter. The covenant was through everything. My covenant with God is that way. Some days are not so good. Some days, are, matter of fact, they're downright bad. But I made a covenant with him, an agreement, and I trust him to keep his part of the covenant. What is a covenant? I thought for curiosity's sake, you know, we're talking about it. What is a covenant? And it's simple. It's an agreement or a promise between two or more people. Do you know that in Bible times that if there was an agreement or contract on land, they would go back to the city and they would get witnesses that would acknowledge the contract. Oftentimes they would pass a sandal between each other. And the people, the elders of the city would acknowledge that contract. Do you know that all heaven rejoices over one sinner that repents? So even though that night at Parkway where I was married to my wife and where I was married to God, there are always people that can say, yes, that happened. It took place. I'm thinking about a covenant that was made back in the Old Testament. Remember Jacob? What does Jacob mean? Deceiver, right? So here we have this deceiver that, if, I'm not going to go into the scripture because for time's sake, that deceived his brother out of his birthright, which is bad enough for a poor bowl of soup, but also out of his blessing. He took advantage of his brother twice through his deception. His brother says, I'm going to kill you. And he runs to his uncle Laban's house. And on the way, he stops at a certain place, which is going to be the place of Bethel, which means the house of God. And he lays down to sleep. And God Gives him, makes a covenant with him. Genesis 28. And Jacob went out from Bathsheba and went toward Haran. And he lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night. Because the sun was set and he took up the stones of that place. And put them for his pillows and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder set up on the, on the earth. And the top of it reached to heaven and behold, the angels... Of God ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father, and the God of Isaac. The land wherein thou liest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west, and to the east, and to the north, and to the south. And in thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I am with thee, and I will keep thee in all places whither thou goest, and I will bring thee again into this land, for I will not leave thee until I have done which I have spoken to thee. And Jacob waked out of sleep, and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I knew it not. And he was afraid and said, How dreadful is this place? There is none other but the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. And Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the stone that he had put for his pillow and set it up for a pillar and poured oil atop atop of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of that city was called Luz at the first. God gives a promise. And Jacob vowed a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in that way, that I go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on so that I can come again to my father's house in peace then shall the lord be my god and the stone which i have set for a pillar shall be god's house and of all that shall give me he give me i will surely give the tenth unto him so there's this covenant between jacob and jacob goes to his uncle laban and the lord blesses him there he becomes wealthy and a great number of people and And flocks and camels. And he kept his promise. God kept his part of the covenant. And so did Jacob. Now, I I want to read this because sometimes people miss this. When Jacob left Laban, God wanted him to go back to Bethel. Why? Why? Why Why go back to Bethel? Because he wanted to remind him of the covenant he made and see that he had performed his covenant with Jacob. Now, I'm saying this to you as I was thinking about this through the last several weeks. Sometimes it's good to get your marriage book out. Go through the pictures of when you got married. Remember the words you said look at the look at the wedding invitation all those things because that you need to renew that covenant
1: and sometimes i need to go back to church do you know that
0: parkway is sacred to me that way not so much the brick and the mortar but there's a spot in the old sanctuary where i got down on my knees yeah. and wept and cried for love like a baby without its mother. I pleaded for help. God reached down, and he picked me up, and he covenanted with me and said, you know, I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. I'm always going to be with you through anything, through every storm, through every trial. I've had trials in my life. So have you. And there have been some dark nights when you felt all alone. Have you ever tried looking at the contract and said, God, I remember you said you'd be with me, and I know you do not lie. So even though I do not see you around me at this moment, I know because of the contract, which is in blood, that you are. And God said unto Jacob in verse chapter 35 of Genesis, Arise, go up to Bethel, and dwell there, and make there an altar unto the God, unto God that appeared unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau thy brother. Then Jacob said unto his household, and to all that were with him, Notice how you go back to the altar. Put away the strange gods that are among you, and be clean, and change your garments, and let us arise and go up to Bethel, And I will make thee an altar unto God, who answered me in that day of my distress, and was with me in the way which I went. And they gave unto Jacob all the strange gods which were in their hand, and all their earrings which were in their ears. And Jacob hid them under the yoke which was by Shechem. You know why? Because Bethel is a sacred place. It's the place of a covenant. It's a place where two individuals committed to each other and they made sacred pledges. You know, God, all through scripture, was a covenanting God. He covenanted with Noah. We know in Genesis 6 that the earth was wicked and vile and God was going to destroy it because of all the sin. And he called out to Noah and he covenanted with him. And he gave him a promise that if he would obey his word and build a boat, that he would deliver him from the judgment that was going to come. In response, Noah built the boat. And he built it exactly the way that God had told him to build it, exactly. He gave him the blueprint because he had no idea what an ocean necessarily might do And in chapter 9 of Genesis, it says, And God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, This is after the ark came to the earth. He renewed their covenant but increased the covenant from the original. He said, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Okay. Stop there. What's man's part of this covenant? What is Noah's part? To bear children, him and his wife, and their kids' wives, their command was to repopulate the earth. I'm going to say it again because I'm going to talk about this in just a little bit. The covenant of the rainbow was God's promise to them that he would never destroy the earth by water again. But his covenant with Noah was that he would repopulate the earth. God said, this is the token of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. I do set my bow in the cloud and it shall be a token of a covenant between me and the earth. I dare say up to this time there was never a rainbow on the earth. God put a rainbow there for the first time as a signet of his covenant. That's when it appeared. And it shall come to pass when I bring a cloud over the earth that the bull shall be seen in the cloud. And I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the water shall no more become a flood to destroy all flesh. And the bull shall be in the cloud and I will look upon it that I may remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is upon the earth. So when God looks down from heaven and sees the rainbow, what does it mean to him? I know what it means to us. It means that I have made a special covenant with you, and the covenant is to repopulate. And God said unto Noah, this is the token of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh that is upon the earth. Let me show you something that's actually very sad. It is truly amazing how Satan has taken the token of this covenant that God, whenever God sees it, reminds him of a promise that he gave to Noah and has changed it to mean something completely different than what it was intended. Satan has taken not only a way to blemish the token, but he's also took, taken a stand against man to stop, to stop man's ability or man's desire to fulfill his part of the covenant. One way was, it's a sign of, of promiscuity of between sexes man with man, woman with woman. Can I tell you one of the side effects of that type of relationship? There's no children. If the world was like that, all of us in the world were like that, there would be no population. That's in defiance of the covenant that Noah made. But let me say this now. The other thing that stands out is abortion. I, just out of curiosity, I have a dear lady at home that I, I really love. Sorry, it's, her name is Alexa. She's so sweet. I say goodnight to her every night. Good night, Alexa. Good night. Have a good night. No, i you know what I'm talking about. I was curious about the effects of abortion on the entire world in the last 10 years, just the last 10 years. There has been 73 million induced abortions taking place worldwide each year. 75 million each year. Six out of 10, or 61% uh, of all unintended pregnancies are stopped. Three out of 10 are taken away. That's 29%. So in the last 10 years, the population has been depleted by 730 million babies and now Satan to hold up his his answer to God is look at the rainbow look at your people look at the world in defiance to you not only do they stop population but they kill life to stop population
1: Look, they voided
0: the covenant, and the world will once again be renovated. But this time, because man has not upheld his covenant, because the covenant was broken, 2 Peter 3.7 says, but the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word are kept in store reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of godly men. You know, God also covenanted with Abraham. His covenant was, "I'm going to give you all this land. I'm going to give you descendants like the stars in the sky. That'll be that's my promise to you." But now I want to tell you what I expect from you. Isn't a covenant always has two sides? It's not a oh I accept the covenant, accept the covenant and you're saved. No, that's not. There's two sides to a covenant. There's a buyer and a seller, And he says, Your part, Abraham, and I'm, I know I'm probably getting a little winded here. I'll watch my time. So I'll, I'll skip some of the verses. Abraham agrees. And God said to Abraham, thou shalt keep my covenant, therefore, thou and thy seed after thee in their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you, and thy seed after thee. Every man, child, among you shall be circumcised. And you shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a token of the covenant betwixt me and you. Do you know that they didn't self-circumcise themselves? People circumcised them. There was a witness to the circumcision. It was a visible sign, just like the rainbow was, of a covenant. There's always a sign for the covenant. There's again, there's evidence that people can see that the covenant took place. God wants it that way because he wants you to bear responsibility for your decisions. But he also wants that way wants it that way, because Satan will try to tell you that there was never a contract. But I can go back to Satan and say, "I've got my witnesses. I've got a name. And I've got a place where it took place, and I have all these things. So they were circumcised. Do you know in World War II when the Germans couldn't couldn't determine whether someone was Jewish or not? Say that they were stopped on a train, and the man said, "No, I'm not Jewish. I'm not Jewish. I'm I'm German." You know what they would do? They would check for circumcision. And if that man was circumcised, he was a Jew. And he was annihilated. Because there was always a way to determine whether you were who you said or not. And you know what? When Satan comes to you, he knows whether you are or not. He says, he that is born in your house and that he that is bought with money must needs be circumcised. And my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. Okay, now stop here a second. This covenant doesn't have an end date. This circumcision covenant was an eternal covenant. So somehow the church is going to be affected by this. Okay? Somewhere down the line. And of course, Ur leaves his home of the Chaldees and goes on to that promised land. And the covenant is both conditional and unconditional. And God and Abraham each had a part to play. If Abraham broke his part of the covenant, God was no longer liable to give him what he promised. But if Abraham did what he was supposed to do, God was responsible to do his part. So it's both bear part of the responsibility. And then there was the Mosaic covenant on Mount Sinai where Moses went up and the law was given. And, and God said, this is my law. This is what I expect from you. What I want you to do is I want you to obey this law. If you obey this law, none of the sicknesses of the world will come upon you. I'm not going to read that verse unless, unless
1: it's right here, I think.
0: Oh, here, Exodus 15 and 26. And it shall be, and sit, no, oh, I saw, I've read that wrong. And said, if thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and will do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon you, which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healed thee. You know how many people got sick in the wilderness? You know how many
1: sandals wore out in the wilderness? (laughs) You know, I really like your shoes, brother. I saw them this morning. I had a pair of, relate to my wife, I'll tell you. But you know, they're going to wear off. They're not going to last.
0: But in the kingdom of God, what God gives you never runs out. There's never a shortage of peace. The price never goes up for joy. It's always the same. And then, I'm moving, I'm almost done. Then there's the Davidic covenant, where God takes David, puts him on a throne, even after the people did not want to acknowledge the theocracy that God had established. Because before Israel had a king, God was their king. Matter of fact, in Scripture, it says when God was your king. So they got into a monarchy. And that's how the world went at that time. But he said to David, upon your throne, it will be an eternal throne. That's interesting. That the Messiah would sit upon the throne of David, part of a covenant and when we get into the New Testament, we find that the angel said unto her, Fear not Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Eternal covenant. Eternal covenant. All these covenants build on each other. Now, we know that this covenant is fulfilled in Acts, the second chapter. When we go back to the covenant of grace, we call it the covenant of grace. Because really, what we're providing to the covenant is just ourselves. And when on the day of Pentecost, when God answered, or answered his request to them, he said, go to Jerusalem and wait until you receive the promise of the Father. When he came that day to show them what the promise was, the promise of this new covenant, this was going to be his part. You're obeying me. I'm going to give you certain things, but this is one of the things I'm going to give you. It says in verse 37, And David is not ascended into heaven, or verse 34, into the heavens, but he saith himself, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand, until I make thy foes thy footstool. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made the same Jesus, whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart, and said unto Peter, And to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? What's my part of the contract? You poured out your spirit. That was your part. Okay? Everybody wants to acknowledge the spirit. Spirit's really important. But what's my part of receiving the spirit? Then Peter said, this is what God wants you to do. This is your commitment. You're part of it. Your part of this covenant is to repent. Repent. Repent means to change of thought, change of direction, and to be circumcised with a circumcision made without hands like Abraham, and to be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, the seal of the covenant. For the promise is unto you and to your children, and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. God covenanted with man in the New Testament. And here, as I wrap down, this is it. The law couldn't save us. It was like a bulldozer, always pushing sin into a great big mountain of ugliness. The cross came so that he could pay the price of sin. But for man to take advantage of the work of Christ on Calvary, notice I said the work, work. There is works in salvation. His work was to die. My work is to obey. My work is to repent of the things that he died for, to cover. And then I am to do just like Abraham before I go out into this this world, I need to have a visible covenant. Abraham's was circumcision of the flesh, but the New Testament says we're circumcision, circumcised with the circumcision made without, made without hands, buried with him in baptism. That's visual. We've had people here get baptized. We witnessed it. They kicked up the devil or it comes to them and say, "You weren't saved." Oh yes, I do. I got a contract right here. There's a name on the bottom of this contract. That name that's signed there, that's Jesus. Here, devil, take a peek at it. And now it's notarized and proven and sealed with the Spirit. Do you know that tongues aren't for the believer? 1 Corinthians tells me tongues are not for the believer, for the unbeliever, because the tongue tells you that the transaction is complete. Boom. It's like that Notary Republic. You go there and they look at the covenant or the contract. You sign it. It's already signed by the other person. And then they say, boom, now it's legal. Be born of water, born of spirit. Water, my part, I go down in the water. His part, he seals me, writes his name on me robes me in new clothes and sends me on my way hey I gotta let you know in a secret okay don't tell anybody I got the better end of the deal I love to get a good deal I really do I didn't bring anything to this marriage both (laughs) all I had was my good looks I, after I was baptized, I was sick about the night. I've told you this, I was going to kill myself that night. It's not a drama. This is the truth. As I'm standing before God, I was going to kill myself that night. But I dragged myself into the Parkway. The door was open, and I went to the front and I said, God, I got to know do you really love me? Do I have a hope? Is there anything to live for? He poured out on me that night at the altar. <sighs> Unless you've ever felt it, you can never understand what I'm saying. It was like warm oils, like a cloudburst on a summer afternoon. And then the pastor held me in the dark with his arms, and I realized there was something that I needed desperately and I had to have it or I could not go on. I don't tell many people this, but after I received the Holy Ghost about a week or two later, that's a story in itself. But after I received it, I said, God, I want to do whatever you tell me to do. Tell me, Lord, I am indebted to you for everything. Whatever you want, just tell me what it is. You want me to teach or preach, whatever it is, I'll do it. That is repentance. Oh, I don't think you need to do that. And I don't think you, friend, don't have an idea of what's in the contract, in the blessing role. If you knew, you would say, I would do anything to get what this is, I'll sell everything. I'll give you my family, my job, everything that I have, because I've got to have this in my life. That's when you know you found the treasure. If you can't say that, I doubt whether you found the treasure or not. You might be a friend of the bridegroom, but you're not his bride, because the bride says, I'm willing to change my name. I'm willing to live in his house. I'm willing to go with his friends. I will be a different person. And they enjoy it. I pray that that your experience is like that. It's time to go back to Bethel. If you feel a little warm, you're not hot anymore. Go back and look at the covenant again. Pick it up. And in closing, there are times in my, don't tell my wife this, that I go back and I do look at our wedding picture. And I do remember, I've got all the letters that we wrote back and forth before we were married. We still got them 50, 47 years, or 44 years, 45. When's your birthday? <laughs> That's why I got her. I still look at him. It reminds me of how much how in love I was with her and how I still am. So that's it. I'm part I'm glad that I am a part not just of the family of God, but I'm his son. I'm proud to call him father. Brother Jordan, you want to say anything before we quit?
2: Would we stand? Let's just stand together right now. Would you bow your heads and let's pray together. Jesus, you've created a covenant for us, a covenant of grace, a covenant of hope, a covenant that has mercy all over it. We're praying right now in the name of Jesus that anybody that desires more of you, those that are thirsty, let them come and drink of these living waters, Lord Jesus. As our hearts are open to you, I pray that you'd move in our midst right now. Would you just take a moment with Jesus? This altar's open, just take some time with him. If you want to step forward and be prayed for, you can. But if you want to just pray right where you are, I pray you make a commitment in your heart right now. That you're going to follow after god that you're going to seek the contract because the benefits are out of this world the blessings that he has for your life far outweigh the gift of your life to him and i want to give myself more to jesus if you want to lift your hands and give yourself to the lord today do that it's between you and jesus right now there's a moment of covenant in this room and he keeps his covenant He'll never leave you or forsake you. If you put your life in his hands, today is a day to turn around. Today is a day of change. If you know you've been living in a place that that does not please him, ask the Lord to forgive you right now. Ask the Lord to forgive you. Just say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Lord God, cover me in the sacrifice of your cross. Place me in a, a place of restoration, restore me. Lord God, would you justify me, make it just as if I never did it, just as if I'd never been wrong, just as if I'd never lied, just as if I've never hurt anyone, just as if I've never made mistakes. Would you put that justification of your saving grace on my life right now? We pray, Lord Jesus, But this moment is a changing moment. He is for you, he is for you, he is for you. 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 In the name of Jesus, we pray these prayers. If there's someone near you to pray with, would you pray over them right now? Would you ask God to send a blessing into their family, and their children, and their future generations? Would you ask this moment, would you ask God to make this moment a change moment? Where they go back to Bethel, where they go back to the place where they thought they were rejected of God, the place where they thought they had no hope, where they go back to the place where they thought that things were not going to change and realize that God has made a new day for them right now in this moment, there's a brand new moment in this room, a brand new touch of God on your life, a brand new change. A new direction that's being released right now. As you surrender, he's releasing. As you surrender, he's releasing. In the name of Jesus. I want my life to be in you, Jesus. I want to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I am right with you. If you want the spirit of God to move in your life, would you just make a move right now? Would you reach toward heaven? Would you ask God to touch you, fill you with his spirit? Begin to open your mouth and just praise him. Whatever words come out, use hallelujah. Use whatever words that come to your mouth, but only you and Jesus in this room right now. With your eyes closed and your hands lifted, he will meet you in that moment. Put your mind on Jesus, and you can feel his touch in this place right now. God, we need you. I feel him here. I know his presence is with us. I know his presence is near for you if you just reach for him right now. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Every need we met. Every desire. We reach for you, God. Every desirous individual in this room would feel your presence, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, pray with that person next to you if you can take their hand. Reach over and encourage them right now in the Lord. Encourage them in the Lord in the name of Jesus. Everything that you have for us, God, we take authority over everything that you want. Everything that you want for us, God, we we lay ourselves down as a living sacrifice right now. Come on, we're becoming living sacrifices in this room. Well, Tanya's singing, we're becoming living sacrifices. We're putting our children in the hands of the Lord. We're putting our jobs in in the hand of the Lord. We're putting our financial blessings in the hand of the Lord. He can handle it. If we give it to him, he'll bless us. If we give it to him, he'll turn it around. He's the change agent that changes everything. He's the God who makes a way out of no way. I'm encouraging somebody to reach deeper than they've ever reached before in this house. Reach deeper for God than you've ever reached. Hallelujah. Take the clock out of the scenario, God. Give us eternal moments right now in this time. Change something in our hearts and our lives. Come on, this whole place is an altar right now. This whole place is a place of prayer. We're back at Bethel right now in this room. We're back at the place of covenant, where you can begin covenant or you can remember covenant. God, thank you for all the days you've kept me, all the days you've saved me, all the days you've brought me out, all the times you've healed me. You are the God that healeth me. I know that. I've experienced it, and I thank you for it. Bless your name in this house today. Come on, this is not gimmicky, this is just reaching for God.
0: We're just reaching
2: for God right now. We're making Lord Jesus ourselves available for you to speak to us. We're making ourselves available to you, Lord God, right now in this altar call. Lord God, we set up a monument, we anoint with oil that rock.
0: We know, Lord
2: Jesus, that you have you met with us in this in moment. Morning, I don't want to leave ending, till I know you've met with us and in this moment. I
0: submit myself
2: to the move of God. I submit myself. I'm praying these prayers and asking everyone to join you. in this moment of prayer. We submit ourselves to God he he in this is house. There's a move of God he in this place. Amen you have the gift of the Holy Ghost, speak in tongues right now. If you have the Holy Ghost, speak in tongues. That gift from heaven that comes out your mouth that is an authority that prays the will of God. I speak the name of Jesus and I pray in the Holy Ghost. Come on, pray in the Spirit right now. If you have the Holy Ghost, pray in the Spirit right now. And some submit. You take dominion over everything walking in covenant we take dominion over everything that would keep us from walking in covenant Jesus help us Lord help us Lord not to be distracted by the day in which we live to know that you are more powerful than all things to know that greater is he that is in us as we pray in tongues today greater is he that is in us than he that is the world is in the world that that spirit maketh utterance Lord God that spirit that is in us maketh utterance I appreciate you god for giving us a gift like this i appreciate you god for giving us a power like this in our lives release a dunamis in us release a power that changes the lives around us changes our family changes the course of our destinies changes the direction of our days in our lives every hour belongs to you every moment belongs to you we surrender today ourselves and our will Lord Jesus, thank you for the moving of your presence. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Lord. With all my heart and mind, everything that I can muster, every bit of energy that I have, I give it to you today. And I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. What a precious place to be. What a precious place to be. Hallelujah. I never want to be in this moment and be the one that says God was here and I did not know it. Thank you, Jesus. Why don't we thank the Lord one more time for making this a prayer room. Thank you, God, for stepping in with your presence. Thank you, God, for being here when we called on your name. Thank you, God, for every song that lifted you up in this rectangle room. God, thank you for every time we had miracles meet us here. Thank you, God, for letting us be the sanctuary let this place be a house of God, the place where God met us. Aren't you glad we were able to celebrate this moment of prayer? Thank you, Jesus. God bless you. you may go today. Be an encouragement to your brother and sister on the way out. If you could shake somebody's hand, if you can hug a neck, give them the ministry of a smile. In Jesus' name, amen? God bless you. We do want to stack a couple of chairs, but if you want to stay for a few minutes and help us take some things out of the Sunday school room, we're going to move the trailer as soon as we're done praying. There's a few more people praying. I don't want to rush. But if you can stay after for 15 more minutes, 10 or 15 more minutes, we will help load some things out of the Sunday school room into the trailer. God bless you. Have a great week.